All the research shows that when someone reads a CV, you know this, you see CV after CV, application after application, you don't spend hours with each one of those. The research says it's seconds, not even minutes, it's seconds before your brain has quickly made its first impression. And that's because it's the croc brain making that initial assessment. And so what we need to do is use our clever neocortex, the gray matter, to write for the croc brain. Hello. Happy New Year and welcome to the Leader Insight Series podcast. This is the platform designed to uncover the secrets to both career and business success and gain real insight from inspirational figures across the food and drink industry. I'm your host, Jonathan O'Hagan, and today I'm delighted to be joined for the second time on the podcast by Sam Waterfall, the founder of The Obvious Candidate, aka London's Global Career Coach. As one of the most popular and downloaded episodes from last year, I was super keen to invite Sam back to kick off 2022 by sharing more brilliant tips and insights on how you can accelerate your job search and put some real strategy behind developing your career to the next level. Now, for anyone who hasn't already listened, I can't recommend enough to go back, have a listen to episode 16 with Sam. We talk for over an hour and the advice and insight Sam offers up is nothing short of incredible. Now for this episode, if you're in any way serious about your career in any field, you need to know about how to market your expertise correctly. It's not enough to do a great job and hope they will notice they won't. The good news is that even in our complex world of multiple digital touch points and platforms, you can stand out and win in the hyper-competitive world of job search. If you can ace just two personal marketing assets, that's your CV and your LinkedIn profile. Master these and you're performing both on paper and online. So in this podcast, we're going to demystify and clarify the handful of simple differences that stand between blending in and standing out with these two critical assets. Apply these expert tips immediately and you'll transform your impact in your career transition results starting today. Sam, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Welcome and a happy new year to you. Jonathan, it's such a pleasure to be back. Thank you. I, I know we we speak regularly, but it's a real privilege to be on here. And I'm so happy to know that last time we did this, it was so useful. Useful is one of the things that I always try to be. And uh, it's just a delight to hear that people have been finding value in what we talked about back in episode 16. Yeah, listen, it was the most downloaded episode, Sam. So yeah, very popular. I mean, having to go through your agent this time to get you back on the podcast was uh, a struggle. You're obviously <laughs> so popular and so in demand. But listen, you're the first guest to come back twice or for the second time. You don't win any prizes, Sam, I must admit. But yeah, thank you for coming back. And listen, it's January. It's the new year. I think that it's, there's always a little bit of, I, I guess, a feel of kind of new year, new career. There's a little bit more vigour behind people job search. So I think this could be quite a timely episode, really. And I know we've spoken before recording today about the importance of marketing yourself really, really effectively. It's something I talk to my candidates about around, I call it the digital shop window, really. You know, yes, things are still done on paper through CVs, etc., face-to-face interviews. But I think it all starts with what I call the digital shop window. Is that a term you use Sam in your vocabulary? Is that something you know you try and emphasize with people you work with in terms of the digital footprint? Honestly, Jonathan, it's not one I have been using, but it's one I've started using ever since you mentioned this as a topic. I think it really captures 
one of the things, one of the aspects of your personal marketing, which is so important. And, you know, we talk about the decline, the demise of the high street and how things are moving online. Well, CVs are still important, that offline aspect, but the online, the digital side of our personal marketing is now fundamentally important. You've got to have that presence there. And I love this concept of a digital shop window. It's a, for those of us that have been working in retail and in uh, any kind of brand marketing, you know, we know about amazing shop windows, especially at Christmas time or indeed any other time of year when people are walking past those shop windows, it's got to catch attention. Uh, and people make whole careers out of visual merchandising in retail. And we've got to do that digitally. So I, I love the concept. It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting in a, in a world where there's a lot of talk about unconscious bias and people making decisions consciously, subconsciously. I think it's so important that people really optimise their digital shop window because from my perspective as an executive recruiter, small things do make a big difference. I'm, I'm sure you have it yourself, Sam, with the people you work with, but the, the small little differences, which I know we're going to talk about, such as things like having a profile photo or not, actually it makes a huge difference to people's initial impression and sometimes the difference between are you going to get a call about an opportunity are you going to get a call up for that interview or not so I, yeah I'm, I'm really keen just to talk you through in your world what are the fundamentals i suppose but where should we start do you want to start talking about linkedin that's probably the most obvious place to start i guess absolutely let's jump in there because i think that's such a large part of the digital shop window but I I think before we jump into LinkedIn, if we go slightly bigger picture, there is, of course, more. We'll focus on LinkedIn today, but don't stop there because I think it's important to, as they say, Google yourself. Uh, yeah, link, LinkedIn don't own the world quite yet. Exactly. <laughs> Do they? Not quite yet. Give it a couple of years. They, they've done very well and they are the essential place, I would say, for us to have a profile. However, you should Google yourself as well. That's something which is important to do because that's what the world likely will do if they're trying to find you. And so what does get found? Are you visible at all? Are you invisible? And is the message that's coming across just on a Google search, the images that show, are they giving the right first impression? Because we need to manage this. It's about managing and taking control of that digital shop window. So definitely look beyond LinkedIn, but let's focus on LinkedIn today. I think that's a really interesting uh, thing, actually. Google yourself. I don't know what I'd find. But yeah, I guess by doing that, it probably picks up on yeah all different social media platforms, some corporate platforms as well, because often when you're trying to search someone, there might be news articles related back to a company website or something that you just are not aware of. So it's worth sense checking what your kind of digital footprint is already, I guess. So that's a good call. You're quite right. And the, the trouble is this digital, that digital world ages so fast. So if when someone searches for you, the first thing they find is something from back in 2012 or, or 2014, that's looking like nothing has been happening. It's not the first impression that we necessarily want to be creating. So there are lots of ways that you can take control of what Google does. For example, streaming videos on YouTube is something because it's owned by the same company, all owned by Alphabet, they really favor that. And so it's a great way that you can record a short streamed video and that will rank for your 
preferred keywords and indeed that should be one of one of your keywords should be your name so that you can push yourself even if you are have a popular name because that's one of the things that some of us struggle with if you have lots of namesakes or indeed your say you're called Neil Armstrong it's really difficult to do well on Google because of course <laughs> someone went to the moon <laughs> and that makes it quite yeah. challenging so there's little ways little techniques that I work with my clients to do to manage to get ahead and to get found with the right messages across all of these different platforms yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. So with LinkedIn in mind then, Sam, let's start there. Talk us through your th thought process, your approach. What are your kind of fundamentals, I suppose, your principles with LinkedIn in mind? Absolutely. So the first thing to think about is your mindset, the way that you approach, the way you operate. This is a platform and it's a platform where ideally you'll be visible to a lot of people and a lot of people who are relevant to your future. So the mindset that you approach it with is absolutely fundamental. And one of the first things is to decide that you're going to have a stellar quality profile. Make up your mind, I'm going to get this right. I'm going to do this well. And so commit to taking the action that needs to be done to fill it in and to actually engage with other people on the platform. But as you're doing it, it's not just about me, me, me. Absolutely not. Really, yes, you need to have your profile done, but that's just the very start of it. Some people I've seen have got honestly, a good profile, it's well laid out, but barely any connections. And so one of the things that we need to look at here is connecting to people. And then once you're connecting, once you're engaging, how can you help people? So the three really to think about is how can you be keeping very positive online? So sometimes things can annoy us. Don't don't get triggered into saying something you don't want, because I always say with social media and LinkedIn is part of that, if you wouldn't be happy for your words to be published on the front page of a newspaper, think very hard about writing those words because we see it day in, day out where people make mistakes. They get triggered into the moment and, and do something they regret. Don't do that. Take a breath. Just stop. Don't post it. Keep positive on LinkedIn. Also try to be helpful and try to be kind. They're the things, positive, helpful, and kind. Because if we just don't know what's going on in other people's world. Things can look very good on the outside, but there can be lots of things happening under the surface. And so don't worry about them. Worry about making your digital shop window look good. So start off with that right mindset, I think, is very much the, the, the fundamental way to begin. I think they sound very simple, don't they, Sam? But I'm amazed on a fairly regular basis where people kind of are a bit too opinionated, maybe a bit too critical. And you think, wow, OK, that's really potentially quite damaging. I mean, the helpful thing, I think there's definitely something in that, Sam, you know, there's been a real increase in people leading with value first and wanting to help, whether it's a fellow job seeker, whether it's helping someone with an introduction. And I see that has a really positive effect for the person trying to help. So I think that's often a, a great way, lead with value first quite often. So yeah, no, really useful. Going further into LinkedIn, I know you've got some thoughts around um, facets to be successful. So yeah, talk us through yeah, your, your, your thought process there. Let's jump in. I think when you get started, there are three essentials that you have to cover with LinkedIn. The first thing is you have to be aware that behind it, there is an algorithm. And the algorithm is choosing what other people see. It's selecting that. So we have to optimize as job one effectively for the algorithm. If we fail there, it doesn't matter what we put. The profile is not going to get seen. It's going to rank so badly compared to other people with your skills, your competitors, your job rivals. You can't be found. So first, optimize for the algorithm. Secondly, because 
we can then over-optimize for the algorithm so that when a human comes along, they don't understand it or it looks very weird and it has to be right. So the second thing is optimize for the human visitor and not everybody trying to have in mind your ideal target. And if you're job seeking, if you're in a career transition, the thing to think about there, your target is who is the hiring manager, who is the decision maker who you're trying to impress. So don't think about trying to talk to everybody. That's too difficult. It's one of the things we find is a difficulty with LinkedIn. If, if you have different elements to your life, different worlds, you might do more than one role. Sometimes we feel, oh, do I need more than one profile? And so LinkedIn's a little tricky. You can always tailor a CV, for example, to a different application, but you've just got one LinkedIn profile. So it's important to make sure that it's set up for the most important target. That's the second thing. And then thirdly, the thing we have to do is to engage strategically. And that means with the right people and with the right levels of emotional intelligence, we need to be really switched on to what we're doing. It's not enough to just have the profile all beautifully done and optimized. It all starts when you start posting, when you start helping other people by sharing their posts, by commenting, and really going out there, as you've said, to be helpful and add value. It really transforms your personal brand as well. But most importantly, it gets you noticed. It gets what you've put into that effort with all that content, it gets it noticed. Yeah, I think it's a really good point, optimising for who your ultimate buying decision maker, if that's the right phrase, you know, thinking about who you want to view your profile and take action. If you're a sales director, commercial director, typically it might be an MD or a CEO that you want to catch the eye of. So really thinking about who it is you're trying to appeal to. And just going back on the algorithm thing, Sam, I mean, many people won't be familiar with the inner workings or behind workings of LinkedIn. I'm familiar to a point with the algorithm. And I know one of the challenging things is it changes all the time. So one day you may do a post and it may be incredibly popular. And the following week, you may do a very similar post and it gets almost no traction. It's frustrating at times, isn't it, the algorithm? But I guess it's there to some extent to people who are not familiar with it. It throttles your posts and throttles back your audience at times. And I don't know, the message I've always, or the advice I've always been given is you've just got to be consistent with what you do because the algorithm does change and what works today may not work tomorrow or in a week. Is, is that your take as well? So you just got to be consistent because you can't, you can't beat the algorithm and you can't really become an expert at it because it changes all the time. So you've just got to be consistent, I think, haven't you? And, and accept that some posts or some activity will do better than others. Is that your view? I think it's, I, I agree to a point about the consistency I think there's also a, a learning that goes with that. So the consistency for me is about engaging regularly, putting content out there regularly, but then always learning from what happens and also connecting and following people who are more expert. You're quite right. The only people that really understand the LinkedIn algorithm are people who work on the LinkedIn algorithm. They're on the inside. We're on the outside trying to, if you like, second guess how this works. Even if if people haven't been thinking about that and they've just been putting content out there or even not started, it's important to look into, and a quick Google search again on how does the LinkedIn algorithm work will reveal blogs from people who are sufficiently close to have a good idea. One of the things which has worked recently is written word posts rather than video posts. A little while back, video posts were prioritized and were 
trending very well. Something else that tends to work quite well is a document post, which is where you can put a PDF in and then it allows readers to scroll through the pages of that document. And that can be quite engaging as well. There's another factor called dwell time, which as it sounds is to do with the amount of time that a reader spends on any particular post. If people are dwelling on it, and you can imagine if you've put a PDF there with 24 slides and there's a big arrow on the bottom of each slide, it suggests for people to move through those. So there's ways of sharing content that increase your dwell time and these little things, as well as then tagging, as well as hashtags. So there's lots of ways that we can work on this to make it more effective with what you're doing. But we have to keep learning as we go. So keep the consistency, keep posting, but keep watching and learning and changing and following other people. I think we all collaboratively, this is it again, it's the helpful piece. We all learn together uh, and I'm always trying to share tips. So if anyone's not following me at the moment, please do just hit that follow button or connect with me. I'm very friendly on LinkedIn. I'm not particularly selective, to be honest. I, I like to have connections in lots of places because I know that for me is the power of networking. I'm not judgmental on whether someone can help me because they've got a great job title today. Absolutely not. I know that people who are the assistants, the intern today, they're going to be perhaps hiring me in five years time when they've had a an amazing promotion. So I say, look after everybody, serve everybody, be helpful and kind to everybody on LinkedIn. Go and do the digital dance with Sam. Inside joke there for people who listen to episode 16. <laughs> Absolutely. Please dance away. <laughs> Absolutely. So what are your fundamentals then, Sam, for profile, people setting up a profile, or maybe they've got a profile, but they just want to kind of take it to the next level? What are your fundamentals around a profile? Sometimes, it's a great question, sometimes people just want to get it done. Actually, filling out the profile can be quite hard work. And for some of us who don't like selling ourselves or find that a little bit awkward, it can be a really difficult thing to do. And there's one box called the About section, which it's about 2,000 characters of maybe a little bit more now. It's just gone up. But it's a big white space. It's a little bit like if I can take you all the way back to when you finished your sort of schooling and education. If you were trying to apply to a university, there was the personal statement, which was this scary box that needed filling in. Some of these things delay people or they put it off and they say, I'll come back to that. Don't put it off. Just put something in there. Put something down because the algorithm checks how many of the parts of your profile you filled out. The way I think about it, the easiest way to think of it, think of your profile, like when you first turn up on day one, it's like having an empty bookcase. And Jonathan, your profile, your bookcase is different to mine, or it starts off the same, but then we build it differently. Yours, we put your picture. Yours, we put your name. Yours, we put your career history. And we do the same for mine. And gradually, they become very, very distinct, very different. But if LinkedIn finds that I've not filled out four of the shelves, they just didn't bother. It punishes that. Now, the reason it does that is because Microsoft that owns LinkedIn behind the scenes, they want to be able to target better advertising. They want to be able to sell and do effective marketing on the job side of things, but also on the, the targeting of useful information. They know they can sell better and they also know they can serve you better if your profile is better filled in. So that's really, really important. So fill out your profile fully. You will get better opportunities put your way. It's just a, a really good idea to be able to do that. So don't hesitate. And of course, I help people to do that if they're stuck on any of the aspects. And the tip sheet that we're going to provide at the end of this is going to give 
a lot of advice on how to go through those different elements to fill them all out properly. Yeah, brilliant. And the only thing I'd add, Sam, is it's never done. It, it's not just a case of doing it and then it's saved for life, set in stone. You can tweak it, you can improve it, you can change it, can't you? I mean, some people use that space to keep it relatively topical at times. Some people talk about what's important to them. Some people keep it quite formal. I guess trial and error maybe like you say the most important thing is to get something done and see how it resonates with people you'll notice by the amount of views and the amount of people who maybe follow through and reach out to you you can tweak and and tailor it so that's the only thing i'd add sam i don't know if you'd agree with that but it's never done is it yes and there's there is one more thing as well the nice thing that linkedin have done to help you with this because when you say you're right it's never done it's never completely finished and it always needs updating to keep it current and relevant but they have gamified it. They've got this slider that goes across. So when you're logged into your profile as yourself, you'll know this. The either says, when you start, you're a beginner on LinkedIn. And then it takes you to an intermediate status with a few little stops along the way. And ultimately, if you filled it out completely to the satisfaction of the algorithm, you get to what's called LinkedIn all-star status. And that's how you know you've done enough for it to be showing you what it does once you've done that it flashes up a message to say we promise now to show you to more recruiters we promise to rank you better and if you didn't ever get there you didn't know that it's like a video game you've got to get through to the final stage to get the rewards so follow that through aim for all-star status on linkedin it's not just a a corny term sounds a bit funny of course but uh, and no one's going to give you a job because you're a linkedin all-star unfortunately but it's very very important to achieve that yeah and to give linkedin some credit because they do they do get uh, uh, a little bit of stick sam from time to time and um, they do try and make things easy for people step by step look we suggest doing this you've done that now do this it's quite um, proactive isn't it for, based on the fact it's a piece of it it's an algorithm it's relatively straightforward and if you just follow the the crumbs they're giving you you'll end up in that all-star status fairly easily that's true. It, it isn't too tricky to do. Having said that, I, I work with people at all stages on the platform. There are still people who are coming to the platform for the first time and sometimes people need help. So the tips that we're going through here, I'm hoping are going to help people to, to achieve that and get to that all-star status. And that helps them get the best results. Because sometimes people think, I'm, and this comes on to the next point really, Jonathan, which is about growing your network. Yeah, because you've got to do something with it, haven't you? Once you've got this lovely optimised profile, you've got to do something with it, haven't you? So... Yeah. Well, it could be a very lonely place. It's it's absolutely zero use to you, I promise, by having an all-star profile and no connections. What has to happen is, yes, let's get to an all-star profile and then let's start connecting with people because it's just no use being there on your own wondering. And people do that and they think, well, hang on, this LinkedIn thing doesn't really work. Well, it's down to, of course, the connections that you've got. It counts up to 500 and then it stops. It just says 500 plus. Everyone should be aiming for 500 connections. and if you're trying to move, for example, location, you need to make sure you've got more people in that different location so that you get visibility uh, in that new location. If you're trying to change country, for example, very important to start moving the activity of your profile to that different place. So your network is so important. Uh, it's no use being on LinkedIn on your own. Yeah. And you made an interesting point earlier, Sam. It's don't think of it necessarily. I mean, I'm sure there is an element of quality first, but think of the quantity thing it does throttle back your posts and and everything so having 500 connections doesn't mean if you make a post 500 people will see it far from it so 
you just got to go for it, haven't you, really? And it, it fundamentally, it comes back to good old-fashioned networking, really. Now, before I go to my next question, I'm very excited to announce a brand new charitable initiative I've launched for 2022. It's called the Mentors Club. The purpose of the Mentors Club is to raise money for charity whilst facilitating the introduction to inspirational industry leaders for quick advice and mentorship. Think executive coaching meets speed dating. It's a 100% for charity initiative with three wonderful beneficiaries, including Magic Breakfast, Macmillan, and the RMHC. We have a panel of 10 superb mentors you can get access to, including Andrew Selly, the CEO of Bid Food, Sue Garfit, the CEO of Alpro, Julia Darville, the UK MD of Puratos, plus many more. Think of it this way. If you're working through a challenge at work, or you're at a crossroads in your career, and you'd be keen to get inspirational advice from industry-proven leaders, then this is for you. Likewise, perhaps you're already operating at C-suite level, and you're looking for a great networking opportunity to connect with other like-minded leaders, then this is for you. To find out more, support the initiative, and check out our amazing panel of mentors, then simply go to leaderexecutive.com forward slash The Mentors Club. That's leaderexecutive.com forward slash The Mentors Club. Thank you for your support. What are your thoughts on how to connect with people, Sam? Because from my perspective, it, it always resonates more if someone can send me a connection request and actually you can tell there's a little bit of personalization in there, whether it be, I don't know, I, I read this article or I noticed you worked here or I see we know so-and-so. Are you a fan of that? Oh, 100%. It's so obvious these days. There's this LinkedIn etiquette and some people seem to just not get it. And there's a danger if you're, so often we're on our mobile trying to use the app to connect. There's a danger there because what it does, if you try to connect with somebody, the default is to just connect with no message. And that's, I think, a really missed opportunity. Now, sometimes you'll be lucky and the person will either know you or know of you and just say yes. But very often, you're standing a much better chance of getting a meaningful connection and, of course, getting that relationship off on the right foot by showing some interest in the other person. And it's relatively easy to visit their profile, look at what they've posted recently and say something complimentary. Be kind, be nice, be positive, as we said before, be helpful. The opposite very often happens where someone will just connect with you and then literally their bot, which is attached to their LinkedIn, is going to then try and pitch you on something. And in terms of first impression, we really don't want that. It's not the way to do it. So I totally agree. Let's personalize that message. There is, by the way, on the mobile, an option if you go into the additional settings. So when you're about to connect, look at the little dots and press those to get the more options. And then it will say, add a message in there. So you can still do it. It says personalize invite is the language that it uses. And to come back to your Google point, Sam, it's not hard. Google their name, see what's going on. Is there any recent news articles? What's happening in their world? And just reference it. And it just demonstrates that you've taken a little bit of time to to take that more quality-driven approach. Because sadly, we are in a world where a lot of this stuff is automated. There are some big organisations that automate this stuff around getting as many connections as they can. 
and for me, you can spot them a mile off. I mean, every single day I'm getting invitations from people that are trying to sell me something, whether it's insurance or what have you. And it's, you can spot it a mile off, really. It's automated. So biggest advice from me is do everything you can to just make it personalised and you'll dramatically get more people accepting your invites. And then once you've got that invite accepted, people typically will then you know, view your profile and the journey then goes on really. But if you don't get that connection in the first place, well, it doesn't go any further, does it? It's so important. And Jonathan, we could do a whole podcast on that relationship and how to make that work because it, it's there's so many nuances to it. We, we talked in the previous episode, in, in episode 16, about the the Dream 30 and how to approach the right people and how to start that digital dance and do that in the right way. There, there's so much to it. I think one of the other things when you, when it comes back to the profile, these tips, I don't know if you've ever tried any online dating, Jonathan. Probably not recently, of course. You're a happily married man. Oh, hang on, my <laughs> wife might be listening to this, Sam. So so no, absolutely no is the answer. <laughs> Mich- Michelle, if you're listening, it's all good. It's all good. No, we're, <laughs> seriously, though, if, if you've ever been from back in the day uh, on an online dating site, and some of the listeners uh, may be using online dating sites, no one dates the person without a profile photo. So we have to make sure that we've got our profile photo in place. It's so important. And then there are profile photos and profile photos. And it's just so important to find one which really does justice. Uh, I worked with somebody a few years ago now. By her own admission, the profile picture was cropped, in her words, out of a night out in Dubai, is what she said. And it was a nice enough picture, but it was not professional by any standards. We arranged for her to go for having her hair done. She did her makeup. She chose her outfit. We took a professional headshot. And using a professional photographer. The difference between these two was night and day. We tested them both on photofeeler.com, one of my favorite websites for helping people with optimizing their profile. Photofeeler.com. I recommend if you haven't tried it, test your current photo on there and also test maybe one or two others. When we did this, her scores were so different and we aced this. It gives you a, a rating out of 10 on just based on the photo first impression, on your likability, on your capability, and on your level of influence. And having data to make a decision rather than just thinking, oh, well, I quite like this picture of me, is so much better. Because that lets you work out, well, what's, what impact is this image having on the viewers to my profile? And even if it's just a small percentage, we're talking about marginal gains here. We're talking the language of optimization. So constantly be testing new pictures, testing what's going to work best. If you change jobs, you might find you had a picture in the past that related to a previous job title. It might not test as well or check out as well. And you're quite right, Jonathan. When someone comes to that profile or they message you, you can just smell. There's a sense that you can have about LinkedIn. There's just a a sort of sixth sense. Is this right? Is there something going on here? And so having the right profile is just so important. It, it really makes a massive difference. I'm going to check that out, Sam. So photofeeler.com. .com. I've not heard exactly. of that. That's interesting. It does, it does surprise me sometimes where people don't put their profile pictures on. And look, I don't know exactly the percentage, but it's got to be in the high 90 percentile that people do post photos. So I think when you don't post a profile photo, it really stands out these days. And I just encourage anyone, look, just 
get a photo, as long as it's authentic, as long as it sort of fits the audience that you're trying to appeal to, um, just get it on there. There's a, for me as an exec recruiter, it, when there's not a profile picture, it just starts to ask questions that you just don't need asking. And actually, and I'm not the only one here, but when I deliver my shortlist of candidates to my clients, now there's so many different data point, points and touch points. CV is one aspect, but we also provide executive briefing notes. There is also a profile photo that we drag through from LinkedIn. It's quite clever stuff. And yeah, when there's not a picture, it just starts to ask questions. Well, why isn't there a picture? You know, and I guess there's different reasons behind it. But yeah, definitely get a profile picture that's appropriate, that represents you in the right way for the audience you're trying to appeal to, I guess. You hit the nail on the head with that word appropriate. That's what's so important here. And appropriate means, think back to what we said earlier on in this conversation, we were talking about your target being the hiring manager. So what's that hiring manager wanting to see? Do they want to see someone who's smart? Do they want to see someone who's casual? You can almost guarantee what they don't want is someone holding a glass of wine or cheersing in a pub. That's not the first impression you want. And it might have been fun to put that on or an easy picture. Or it might have a nice smile or whatever it was you liked about that. Imagine if that profile picture gets pulled through, as you said, into a professional application. Your software, by the sounds, it pulls it through. It doesn't say, is it appropriate? It just gets pulled through. It's the owner of the profile's decision to put the appropriate content in there. It's very, very important. It doesn't have to be super smart. The For certain categories, if you're coding or something, it might be a hoodie is the appropriate attire. But always looking attentive, having a crisp photo, these things make a massive difference to that first impression. And it's so easily done. The way Photofeeler works, Jonathan, it's brilliant because it's peer help peer. You don't even need to spend any money. It's free. So you can vote on other people's, again, being helpful. There's a, a sort of karma approach to this. So by voting on other people's photos first, you can earn credits and then you also learn in doing that. You'll think, gosh, what were they thinking? Or no, that's a really good one. And you learn what makes a good photograph by voting on other people's. Then after you've done that, you can buy credit. So you can then speed up and do more searches in a more quick uh, way. But it's just such a useful tool. So I recommend that to everybody. Great. Now you've got some thoughts on headlines, haven't you? Your professional headline, I guess. So talk, talk us through that, Sam, because some people get this right. Some people, unfortunately, really get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I talk very often, Jonathan, about a golden trio on LinkedIn. The golden trio, it's the bit that follows you around, whatever you do. If you like somebody's post, if you look at somebody's profile, the bit that they see is three elements. Your name, your profile picture, which we've just covered. And the final piece is your professional headline, which is that text that comes under your name on your profile. Now, there's a default. So if you do nothing, when you set up your profile, when you fill out your other boxes, the other fields on LinkedIn, it will default to current job title, then the word at, then the current employer. So you could be assistant brand manager at Boots, for example. So that's fine, because especially if you are that, it's accurate. But that field is 220 characters long. And you might there have used 40 at best. And what happens is the algorithm looks disproportionately favorably or with greater interest, if you will, if I can sort of personify the algorithm in that way. The algorithm is trained to look in certain fields on your LinkedIn 
and give more weighting to that. Here is an amazing opportunity for you to add additional keywords and additional explanation, partly for the algorithm, because that's going to help you get ranked and get found, but also partly for the human. Imagine when the human viewer has found you in the rankings or is interested in what they've seen when they've seen that um, golden trio anywhere that you've engaged somewhere. They think, oh, that's interesting. And they click through to your profile. That's where we can make a first impression to explain what you do. And it's so important. I've worked with a few people recently who've just had the word consultant there. Now that says nothing. It's such a missed opportunity. There are probably millions of people called consultant on LinkedIn, certainly hundreds of thousands. And you're just not differentiating yourself at all. Even if you were a PR consultant, say that. If you were a health and safety consultant, say that. Just that one addition will make a huge difference. But the way I recommend doing it is a, a formula so that you can say the first thing you want is a job title. So something that's going to resonate with the people that you're trying to either work for or work with. Then have what I call a helping statement, which is I help people to achieve this. I help companies do this. I help people to do this. And then you can add any additional keywords or a call to action as well. And that way you turn that from being just something that's automated and, and filled in by default into something which really helps you rank and transforms your first impression into absolute clarity for people who visit your profile. I think that's a really good formula. So that was job title, helping statement, and then this kind of call to action. That's where I see some people get it wrong, Sam. They almost use that bit of um, real estate, if I could call it, that bit of advertising. And they put in there things like immediately available or, or actively looking. And they've not referenced their job title or what they do, the helping statement to your point. And it's a real sort of missed opportunity. Actually, people aren't going to pick up the phone just because you've put actively looking. They don't know what you do at that stage because it's not one of these three, these, these trio of things that they're going to immediately see. So I think that formula, yeah, it's quite powerful. So job, job title, helping statement and a call to action. Absolutely. I'm nodding my head so vigorously in agreement with what you said. I think that for me as a marketer and as a branding professional, as well as someone who helps with careers, the positioning of that is so wrong. When you start off by saying immediately available, Think of it as a negotiation that either tells someone instantly they're thinking, well, no one's clearly picking this person up at the moment, so maybe they're not very good or maybe there's a problem. We want to know what you can do, what you can bring, what are the benefits you can bring as, as an employee or as a team member. Don't lead with anything that sounds desperate. Uh, I, I've said it before, I'm not, for that reason, I'm not a fan of the open to work roundel on, on the profile picture either. I definitely definitely flag because there's an option in there either make it visible on the profile picture or just tell the recruiters and i think that it's much better by all means tell the recruiters because that that flags to them that you're interested but use your profile to position you as if anything a little unavailable let me go back to dating you think all of my analogies jonathan would be about dating but <laughs> seriously if, if in a dating scenario if you are too available if you're too keen if it's too much too soon or if you appear desperate these things are not attractive. Mm. People run away from that. Uh, yeah. And it's the same in LinkedIn land as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think the only build on that, Sam, as well, would be, I think, don't be too broad. What I mean by that is you're not going to appeal to everyone. So use your profile to be very specific. It goes back to that thing of who is your audience? Who are you really trying to grab the interest of? I see sometimes people being too broad with their 
job title and helping statement and their call to action. So, for example, rather than being a highly accomplished commercial controller for argument's sake, maybe talk about the specific categories you've excelled in. Is it plant-based? Is it bakery? Is it branded snacks? And really laser in. It's that thing of being an inch wide, a mile deep, because if you're too broad, if if you're a bit too bland, dare I say, you won't stand out. So again, I I don't know if you'd agree with that, Sam, but I try and encourage you encourage people to be really specific on where their track record is, where their passions are and and who they're trying to appeal to as well, to catch their eye in effect. Totally agree with that. Uh, And the thing is, I think you need to dare to be that brave to do that because when you're in job search, sometimes it can feel like, gosh, I need to be a little bit broader here because what if someone who could employ me sees this and then they feel I'm not right or I'm too specific? And the reality is, you end up, one of my former colleagues, she used to say that if you try to be everything to everybody, you end up being nothing to nobody, was the way she said it. And nothing to nobody, not perfect English, of course, but you get what I'm saying there. If we're too general, we're, we're not specialist enough, we're not interesting. Everyone, what it means is everyone ignores you rather than just some people ignoring. So you're right, be brave enough to go, as you say, that inch wide, mile deep. It's exactly the right way forward. And in the context of what is at the moment, <clears throat> January. Do you think people have noticed, Sam, that we're recording in, uh, and it's not January? Do you think we've got away with it yet? That people realise <laughs> Christmas and New Year hasn't actually gone. We'll keep it going. No, we'll keep it going. Just keep pretending, Jonathan. They'll ne- they'll never know. Absolutely. Uh, what was the point I was going to make? I think oh, I've forgotten the point I was going to make there, Sam. I, I put myself off track there. Let me sa- let me save you. Let me save you with my last tip on LinkedIn, because we can go straight into one additional thing. So we talked a little bit about Google and going beyond LinkedIn. There are tools that you can actually add into LinkedIn legally, so which actually comply with the terms and conditions of LinkedIn. The one I would recommend, if you use, and I would recommend doing this just because you need to, use the Chrome browser from Google. Okay, so I'm not trying to advertise that, but many people already use Chrome as their browser. There is within Google Chrome, a thing called extensions. And these are little bits of plug-in software that enable the browser to do more things for you. Now, if you go to LinkedIn onto and log into your profile using the Chrome browser, you can add an extension from a business called Crystal. They used to be called Crystal Nose. And if you go onto Google and do a search on Crystal Nose Chrome extension, that's nose as in K-N-O-W-S, not <laughs> nose <laughs> on your face. Crystal Nose as in Crystal Nose and understands. So do that. Chrome extension, Crystal Nose as a Google search. What will happen is Google will bring up as the very top of the list its own store. Google has like an Apple store. It has a store of extensions. In there, it will show you, and it'll have found it for you already, of course, because it's that good. It will show you the extension. Just click it. It will automatically load in. You'll no doubt need to grant permission. It will put a little crystal icon into the top right of your browser. And when you now log in and you go to someone's profile, including your own, in the white margin up the right-hand edge of the LinkedIn profile, you'll see a little crystal. It's a little icon. When you click that, you'll need to log in the first time. It will now attach a disk personality profiling functionality into the profile. Now, if you're about to go for an interview, 
or if you're even just going to have a meeting with somebody, it's so helpful to be able to understand, are they a high D or are they an influencer or do, is this person particularly analytical and wants the data? It gives you all kinds of tips. It's all just in that margin. It just loads in and it does it in seconds. And everyone I've spoken to says, hang on a minute, that's freaky, it's scary, it's unimaginably good because it just gets it right. Now, the only time it doesn't work is if somebody hasn't filled out their profile very well. It needs to have some data to go on. But most people tell me it is remarkably accurate and it's so useful. It's like my hidden tip. So if you're going for an interview, don't go to interview someone without doing a crystal nose search to understand your interviewer's personality so you can give your answers in the right way. Brilliant. Sam, that's an absolute nugget. I've not heard of that before. I'm going to go and check it out. And actually, I do a lot of behavioural profiling as part of my process when we deliver candidates on a shortlist. So this might put me out of a job, Sam, to some extent. This kind of <laughs> short shortcuts this, but it sounds amazing. It sounds brilliant because I think... It's so useful. So useful. It's the world I operate in, I guess, but the so many more of my clients now are really interested in this stuff. It's Yes, it's still about technical skills and experience, but it's so much about behaviour fit. And that's why there's so much pre-work and assessment done around people's behaviours. You know, I partner with a company called the McQuaig Institute, who are fantastic. And the surveys and reports you get are so insightful. I'm going to have a look at this. This sounds this sounds like a great sort of pre-step and a build on your profile as well. I don't think I've seen that before, Sam. So that's great. I'm going to check that out. It's so, so helpful. And we'll put it into the PDF as well. So all of the tips, I'll put the links in there as well. So it makes it really easy. So just download the the PDF. So that's at obviouscandidate.com forward slash LinkedIn. Download the PDF and all of the exact details on how to get that. And everything else we've talked about is going to be in there. And there's so much more as well, isn't there, Sam? I know there's so many tips and stuff in there. So yeah, we'll, we'll include that link. Brilliant. I think there's some really useful things there. So, so let's go on to kind of this second personal marketing asset, which ultimately is the CV. The CV, there's a lot of talk, isn't there, about CVs? Are they still relevant? Will they be around in the future? I think CVs for me, Sam, are fundamental in opening the door. I think past that, that they have less relevance, but ultimately you need to get them right don't you? You need to optimise them. You need to get them right. So yeah, talk us through, give us some wisdom, Sam, around CVs and your secrets to, I suppose, people getting it right. Well, Jonathan, you're so right. It is about opening the door. And when you think about it, when you open the door, that's the first moment of going into the room or going into a building. That's what the CV does. It's, it is that moment. And you literally only get a moment to make that first impression. It's so important. I'm reminded of a client experience, which I'm delighted to uh, retell. I sent her the CV that I had prepared for her. Having worked with her, we worked through all of her stories, all of her history and experience, and we, I went away and built that CV. She looked at it. The first thing she said was, wow, is that really me? <laughs> and then she said, wow, that really is me. And you hear the difference between those two. The first one was surprise. She was, gosh, is this oh, this feels too good. And then she looked at the detail. She said, wow, every single piece of this actually is true. This is me. And I'm a maniac, Jonathan, for the truth when it comes to CVs. We do not want to be lying. We don't even want to be egging up or, you know, over talking. Not at all. And I promise you, everyone I've worked with, there's never a need. There's never a need to oversell. All we do is we use some fundamentals about 
And what I do when I write a CV, I engage in the fundamentals of psychology, how people engage in those first few seconds. And let me explain a little bit about exactly how that works. A little bit of brain science, and I don't know if you've studied much brain science or, or the technology or a bit of psychology. When we think about writing a CV, if you and I, Jonathan, were to work on your document or to work on one of your clients, we'd engage the clever part of our brain, if you will, the gray matter. But you've heard, I'm sure, about the fight or flight mechanism. And there's a difference in the way that our brain works. Some part is very old in terms of our evolution. That fight or flight comes from something that we could call the croc brain or the reptilian brain. And that's the bottom of the brainstem. And what happens is that on top of that, the midbrain evolved. And then on top of that, we have the clever bit, the gray matter, or also called the neocortex. Now, here's the important thing. When we are writing, we use that clever neocortex, the most human part of that. But when somebody sees, any of us as humans, when we see something new for the first time, we don't use the neocortex. We have that filtering process through that croc brain, that reptilian brain, which does the fight or flight. And that's why all the research shows that when someone reads a CV, this you see CV after CV, application after application, you don't spend hours with each one of those. The research says it's seconds, it's not even minutes, it's seconds before your brain has quickly made its first impression. And that's because it's the croc brain making that initial assessment. And so what we need to do is use our clever neocortex, the gray matter, to write for the croc brain. So the way that we write the CV is actually to make a winning first impression because the brain starts to have made that. Now, they may keep reading for 30 seconds, but the first impression is made within six to nine seconds. So this is what we're up against. It's so difficult. And what happens is this is where the traditional, the normal CV that most people still are trying to use does not work. It doesn't work because, let me tell you what it does. In my mind, a traditional CV is like saying, Jonathan, Here's everything I've ever done backwards. What do you think? Have a read through and tell me what you think. Now, I'm asking you, Jonathan, go and do some work with your brain. And the crop brain hates to work. What it likes to do is it likes to make a quick decision. It likes to say, no, I'm going to save the energy. I'm not going to bother. No, I'm not interested. So unless you hook that brain with the headline, with the initial first impression in those opening seconds, no chance. You've gone. Because in those first 10 seconds, what happens is the brain already switches to mm, not seeing what I need here, Jonathan. I'm going to start filtering out. I'm going to look for reasons to say no. And after 30 seconds, it's gone. But the problem starts to happen in the first six to 10 seconds. That's what we're talking about here. And Sam, I, I think this is absolutely spot on. If I can just jump in here as well. Again, it's about knowing your audience. If you are like I referenced earlier, that sales director, commercial director, your audience typically is an MD or a CEO or some kind of board level, C-suite level individual. <laughs> typically, these people are very time poor. So you've got to get to the point pretty quickly. So I think you're absolutely right. And listen, it is a sad fact. Yes, people don't read CVs word for word. They don't go through them in incredible detail because people typically are very time poor. So you've got to grab their attention pretty quickly. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you're saying here, Sam. So the problem is because very often you've been living your career, you've done all the work to achieve everything you've achieved. And very often, therefore, people want to tell the full story. They want to give the detail. They want to be thorough as they maybe would in, in work. 
But the point is, if we're doing a piece of quick marketing, if we're doing the advertising for a bus side or a bus shelter or something that's an outdoor piece of advertising or even an internet banner, these have to work very quickly and they have to grab attention. So we need to use and learn from the what we can see from the headline writers, any bit of online news these days, that headline has been carefully written. It's applying all of the direct marketing principles to get us to click. They call it clickbait, of course. And we don't want clickbait. What we want to do is once we start to engage, once we've grabbed and hooked that attention in those first seconds, then we draw them into the next bit of the detail. And I call that the three paragraph introduction formula. Because the next thing that people do wrong with a CV very often is they'll have a big Bit, they'll, they'll first off, they'll say as the headline for their for their CV, they'll say profile. Now that is the worst waste of real estate possible in CV land. To start off at the very top, imagine if the Sunday Times, instead of having a headline that made you read the Sunday Times, imagine if it said paragraph one at the top. That's the equivalent. <laughs> what a waste. Yeah. That is what people are doing now. And then the next thing, if paragraph one was just a big paragraph that took half the page, You'd never read that. What they do is they give you a subhead that draws you in, that makes you read the next bit of the paragraph. It's even bold. And it draws us in and draws in each bit. The task is driving you to read the next bit. And that's exactly what we do. But what we have to do, it's not just about tricking someone to read them through, to draw them through. It's about giving them the clarity that they need. And the other biggest problem, the, the mistake that people make is that in those opening sentences, they do not make it 100% clear what they do and not so much even what they do, but how they can help the target reader. That's what they must do. If they do that, the hook is in place. They've earned themselves the attention of that reader to read on because they. what's happened, Jonathan, the most important thing here, we have used the opening moments of the CV read to evoke the emotion of hope. In the poor reader of the CV, you know what it's like if you're trying to recruit someone, you might be given 10 or 20 different documents. You, you might be providing to your clients here are the top five, here are the best three. They then have to go away and make sense of that kind of information. And if we can actually help them and evoke the emotion of hope, of course, you do a lot of this filtering for your clients. You're taking the, the best people forward. But if people are reading a CV directly, maybe alongside 19 others, what a difficult thing. And all they're looking for is to be able to go, they don't want to read the CVs. All they want to be able to do is get the person hired and get on with their job and get on with life and get the job done and start doing the business. So if we can say, yes, I'm hopeful this is maybe the right one, suddenly they read the whole CV differently and it gives us more time to get into the detail. Definitely. I think ultimately putting yourself in the shoes of a hiring manager, you're looking for someone typically to solve a problem aren't you? You're looking to bring in some expertise that the business maybe doesn't already have, or you're looking to replace some expertise. You're looking maybe to raise the bar around, you know, ultimately you've got a problem that you're looking to solve by bringing someone in. So I guess if you can outline the problem that you can solve in that initial bit, fantastic. You suddenly you've got them much more hooked and, and therefore dramatically increase the chances of them reading on much further, really. So yeah, no, I think, I think that's great, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. And let me give let me give you a very practical way of testing this. So, are you doing it? Is it working? I call it the six second test. If you want to give yourself the benefit of the doubt, try it for ten seconds. It's just as difficult. What you do is you take your CV and you actually give it to a person. You need to be there in person with someone to be able to do this. Let them have your CV for those six or ten seconds. 
and then take it off them and ask them what you do. Ask them what they got from that. That's, are you connecting? What can they tell you? And if they could at least tell you the headline and what you do and something, that's good. Most people will know nothing in that. They're just still going, hang on, what's going on? And so we're trying to cut through. So it's a very practical test that most CVs fail. That's a really good little thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. So give it to them for, what, six, six seconds if you're going to be harsh, <laughs> but 10 seconds if you want to give yourself a bit of a break and then take it off. And yeah, I think that's really useful because ultimately, yeah, if they can't tell you what they do or, or a rough idea, you've kind of missed the point, haven't you? Absolutely. Now, Jonathan, we can get into so many additional tips then all the way through every element of the CV, how long they should be, all the different parts that we should look at. And I'm going to include some of those in the free PDF guide as well. So anyone who is interested or maybe writing their CV, there's a stack of other tips beyond the big ideas we've talked about. But what I really wanted to get across today was the importance of viewing your CV differently. You don't want it to be a traditional CV that asks the reader to do lots of work and analysis. The way we want to do that with what I call a high impact CV is to do the analysis for the person exactly as you've just said, Jonathan. They have got a problem in mind. They're trying to fix that problem. We want to make sure that your areas of expertise are focused on exactly addressing that problem. So they think when they read it, maybe I found the person. And they're excited to meet you. They're excited to bring you in for interview rather than we're boring them by saying, here's everything I have ever done. Yeah. And you've got to go through in great detail to find out whether I've got what you're looking for instead of making it really obvious, really clear up front. And that's why we call it obvious candidate. I can see the logic. <laughs> I can see the logic. I tell you what I'm a big fan of, Sam. I don't know if you are as well, but there seems to be a real kind of, well, there's a there's just a, a popularity, I suppose, typically from people on the continent, mainland Europe. They do a one-page PDF, and I'm such a huge fan of it. Obviously, in my line of work, I see hundreds and hundreds of CVs practically every day. So when I get a one-pager, fantastic. And it might scare some people to think, well, how can I get my career and my CV down to one page? But boy, does it focus the mind. It, you know, to, to some of your points you're making, you've got to grab people quickly because they won't read four, five pages. You've got to hit them in between the eyes pretty quickly, haven't you? So I'm a big fan of like a one pager. I agree. My personal CV is on one page, so uh, it, it can absolutely be done. And uh, you see, I'd, I'd read that, Sam. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> the purpose of that CV is not to tell you everything I've ever done. I'm not trying to explain everything and you don't want to know. All you want to do is understand quickly, might I be able to help? Could I be relevant in your world? That's what that crop brain wants to understand. And then the crop brain passes through to the, the neocortex, then it starts doing the, the clever thinking and the proper analysis. That's how that works. Well, in the context of what is it there to do, it's a tool to open the door. You've got to leave a reason for them to want to talk more. You've got to create that intrigue, haven't you? So... Yeah, to your point, you, you don't need to, it's not war and peace. You don't need to outline absolutely everything. You're sort of dropping some crumbs, aren't you, for them to want to explore face-to-face -face, um, or online, as it seems to be these days, through Teams and whatnot. But do you know what I mean? It's really just a tool to open the door. You've got to leave an element of intrigue and mystique to some extent. Absolutely, yes. But by dropping the right sort of crumbs in a fairly short, sharp, direct 
manner, really. And again, it's a pretty basic one, but I see people get this wrong all the time. A CV isn't a place to regurgitate your job description. People will know what a sales director or a controller typically does. What they want to know is what you've done, what you've achieved. So make it very achievement-led. So don't start listing your job description. Start listing what you've achieved over that period of time. That's what people will ultimately buy from you. You know, your past achievement is the greatest indicator to future performance after all. So that would be another build, really. Make it achievement-led. No one needs to be told what typically you're responsible for in your role. They will roughly know, because again, you're appealing to people who hire your typical people in your field. So they will know roughly what you do. They want to know what you've done, what you've achieved. Over over the years, the CVs that I've written have evolved to have a particular modular format that does exactly that. It focuses on the expertise that the person is looking to hire for, but primarily on the achievements that the person's done from their career. There is a list of career history and jobs, but it's not huge paragraphs of explanation of everything you did because people don't want to go into that detail. That's for the interview. That's where they can go into that detail. It's enough to hook them, draw them in. And actually, there's a great expression called a story loop. And we talk about opening a story loop. And what happens is in movies and box sets, the reason that we keep listening or watching right the way through to the end is because they don't close some of those loops until the very end. And sometimes you can open a story loop to get someone's interest and then close that at the interview because, they, oh, I want to know how that ended or how that was concluded. So you don't need to explain all the detail. Make it interesting. Draw people in. Yeah, brilliant. Sam, there's so much good stuff in there. Listen, part two hasn't disappointed, <laughs> I've got to say. I mean, the the six-second test, photofeeler.com. There's loads I'm going to go and look into, actually. So thank you so much. Crystal as well, the Crystal extension. Crystal, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much there. Just, just remind us, Sam, very generously, you've got these guides, this advice that you're putting out, free PDF. Where can people find them? I will put it in the show notes as well, but just remind us where people can find this stuff. Of course. So these are the obvious candidate insider guides. And all you need to do is go to obviouscandidate.com and then forward slash LinkedIn for the LinkedIn PDF or indeed obviouscandidate.com forward slash CV. And that's where you'll find the free PDF talking you through all these CV tips. There's everything that we have covered today and more on there. So there's a huge amount that you can take that forward with and really get started on applying these things and making a difference starting today. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sam. There's also, I don't think we've touched upon, there's a scorecard, isn't there? Like a diagnostic scorecard you've developed. Tell, tell us a bit about that before we log off. Absolutely. So the way that I approach both CVs and LinkedIn with my private clients is we work through a diagnostic list. It's a little bit like you might go to a, a car garage to have your car fixed and they will work through 50 points that they're going to check around that car. I do the same thing. I happen to have 25 points on a LinkedIn profile. One of the things I'm able to do with that, I've made it into a simple scorecard. And this is a scorecard for job change and career transition. So anyone can go to obviouscandidate.co.uk for that one, or you can go to obviouscandidate.com and find it. There's links also on there. But obviouscandidate.co.uk will take you straight to the scorecard. And 
you answer the questions. These are themed around six different areas. They're the six different barriers that prevent people finding the next job that they want. And in less than five minutes, filling that in, you will then be emailed with a personalized report that indicates where are you strong? Where are you ready for that job search? Or is there anything which is a gap which is likely to be holding you back? And that can help us to really pinpoint what we need to work on to fix that. So it's really much, really very much a tailored diagnostic tool to speed your way and ease your way through any kind of job search. So uh, hopefully that's a helpful tool as well. Great. Sam, what a brilliant way to kick off 2022. And yeah, listen, I think we got away with the fact that we're recording in December, but of course it's January, Christmas is gone. So thank you very much. Really appreciate your time as ever, Sam. And yeah, listen, we'll speak again very, very soon. It's been an absolute pleasure. Jonathan, thank you so much and happy new year to you. And you. Take care. Cheers, Sam. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this episode valuable. Don't forget to subscribe so you get notified about all future episodes. I'm working really hard to keep bringing you inspirational leaders from the food and drink industry that we can all learn from. And if you're feeling generous, please drop us a review. It really helps spread the podcast far and wide. And finally, as you've probably noticed, my passion is to help businesses thrive through the power of people. Like the very best leaders of today, I understand how creating purpose-led cultures with high levels of trust and employee engagement leads to successful financial performance. Back in 2011, I founded Leader Executive to help companies outperform the market by focusing on the human element of their business, their people. As a well-respected talent solutions partner, we collaborate with food and drink businesses across our four business pillars, design, hire, develop, inspire. To find out more about how we can help you outperform your competition by focusing on the human element of your business, then reach out to me on john at leaderexecutivesearch.com. I'd be delighted to hear from you. Until next time on the Leader Insight Series podcast, take care.